Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music, interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. A proud member of the Pantheon podcast team. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts. John the Vernomatic Verno and direct from New Jersey, Metal Walt. Good evening, everybody. As always, Thursday's new content drops. On tonight's episode, Metal Walt speaks with iconic guitarist and vocalist Scott Wino Weinrich, leader of the band The Obsessed. Wino, a true doom metal pioneer, he's out promoting the band's new album, Gilded Sorrow, and forthcoming U.S. tour. The two really take a deep dive into the history and career of Wino. They go all the way back to the early 70s when Wino had a chance to see Sabbath as a young teen. He talks about how that molded his sound. In addition, he shares tons and tons of career highlights from his days out on the road. If you're not familiar with the band or Wino, this is your chance to do a little heavy metal homework. That's coming up in just a second. Want to remind you, if you haven't joined yet, get up to MetalMayhemROC.com. Sign up for our newsletter. That way you can receive updates on everything we have going on here. Thursday nights are the podcasts. Friday night, Southern Cal has his Friday night free-for-all YouTube interview. Monday nights, I have the live radio show on Metal Devastation Radio. And then next thing you know, it's Thursday again and new podcasts. Recent episodes we had last week, we had a rock and roll detention. Metal Mike of 80s Glam Metal Cast was here. We did our deep dive into deep cuts, hidden gems, and lost treasures of hair metal. Uh, let's see, Dave Ellison of Megadeth fame, Kings of Thrash, and about 10 other projects. He was on before that. And we had the History of Metal 1995, our long-running series. So there's a lot of content here at MMROC. We really appreciate you listening and viewing. Leave us a review. Subscribe to the pod. Let's do this together. So let's get into it. Metal Walt and Scott Wino Weinrich. I'm the Vernomatic, and this is Metal Mayhem ROC. Good evening, everyone. On this episode, I'm joined by iconic guitarist and vocalist Scott Wino Weinrich. Wino, welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. Hey, what's happening? Hey, listen, Wino, last night I was hanging out with my nine-year-old daughter watching the Grammys, and she's a big Swifty, and I was like, I don't know, honey, I'm sorry, I don't know if you're, she's going to win because, like, ah, there's this, this band called The Obsessed and this Gilded Sorrow <laughs> album. I'm like, so she's like, oh, really? So I'm sorry, man, that you didn't pull it off, but, uh, but you know, that's how it well, goes, right? Yeah. I, I, I've been, like, noticing a little bit about, about this whole, like, Taylor Swift, NFL, like a cult thing, man. It's like the world, it's the world just crazy. Why no? I think that's good writing material. It sounds like right up your style. A little conspiracy theory about the, uh, you know, yeah. Like the late, what's the latest that uh, she's no, been dude, matched up uh, with artificial intelligence with uh, Travis Kelsey to support Joe Biden to get reelected. That's the latest on the AI. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Tell you what, they're, they're, they're all, they're all criminals. All, it's all theater. Every bit of it. Left, right, it's all fucking theater. Huh? 
Exactly. Exactly. I'm starting to really believe that. So, hey, Wino, um, it, the press notes talk about you. I want to talk a little about you as a person first. Um, okay. The way they describe you in your press notes is Wino has always been a rebel, a loner, an outsider, and an outsider scene pursuing his musical taste without regard for popularity and acceptance. So, um, and they refer to you as the American Lemmy. So, listen, I've been following you for a long time, but who are you? Talk about like the person you are. Okay, the person I am. Um, I'd say that 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 w- what you just read is pretty accurate description of how I am. Although, um, although I like to be around people. I mean, I enjoy I enjoy uh, you know being around people, like minded people and stuff. Um, um, I've always I am kind of a rebel. I tell you, I'm a rebel because fucking because you know people tend to suck kind of, and like society definitely is you know it uh, um, sucks. So, I mean, in my in my world, the longer the driveway can get, the better. And, um, you know, as far as politics goes, I, I believe in paying taxes. If you see where your tax money goes, right, I believe in uh, the right to bear firearms because uh, because against the potential of uh, of malfeasance from our own government. And, uh, you know, I believe that, like, I should be able to do with my body with what I choose to do with my body. So basically, I guess in a way, I don't know how you describe that. I'm just, I'm just a doubt. I'm just a, a normal person. Uh, I really treasure a good conversation. A good conversation is is something these days. So I really treasure a good conversation. Uh, I like, I don't like to read fiction. I like, to, I just read fact or biographies. Uh, except the only thing I really like is I really like underground comics, man. Like S. Clay Wilson, like, you know, perverted, like, zap-type comics, you know. <laughs> underground comics from the 60s, you know. And uh, what else? Uh, uh, you know, I got three kids, and so I think that, um, you know, I believe in, um, I just believe in that uh, uh, people should have the right to say, what, to believe in what they believe in, really, you know. Great, great life philosophy to have, man. I think it's awesome. Um, so listen, I'm up in New Jersey. I know you're a Maryland native. I don't know if you're still there. Your career goes back a long time. You started in the late 70s. I mean, so many bands, so many collaborations, so many projects. We couldn't even name them all today. The Obsessed, St. Vitus, Place of Skulls, Beer Caravan, The Hidden Hand, Shrine Builder. You've done some stuff with Connie yeah. Oaks, uh, Probot. Yeah. Um but you know what? You are, again, that underground guy that when your name comes up, it's always like, oh, man, yeah, why no, man? He's like, he's that guy that, like, he's developed that trademark doom and stoner sound. So, again, going back to the press notes, they say, oh, no, no, it was just gritty streetwise American metal with a cynical bent and psychedelic flair. I love that. But why no, as a fan of yours, I always... I think that what makes you unique is you have a signature sound in a lot of different ways. It's it's your guitar tone. Okay, number one, it's the kind of songs you write, number two. Right. It's your vocal style, your voice itself, and maybe the most important thing is how you deliver your storyline in your, your singing. You have a very distinct way of presenting your story. So... Just talk a little about about your signature approach and your sound. Okay, you nailed it all in the head. And a lot of it, I will say, comes from like my early experiences from seeing Black Sabbath. I mean, Black Sabbath definitely 
was a major, major influence in my life, probably the ma- most major. Although I was into different different types of music and when I saw Sabbath. When I saw Sabbath, I was very young. Very young. I think it was my 14th birthday, I think. I was born in I was born in 60. So I want to say like 73, you know. Like I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, uh Mass Reality was definitely out. Um I'm trying to think of whether we had Sabbath play, uh whether we had volume four or not. But whatever it was, I saw Sabbath when I was like uh like on my 14th birthday. So I mean, just that how Sabbath was back in those days, especially as young as I was, as impressive as I was, like um, there's there's no there was no doubt in my mind watching that show that they weren't they're gonna have to stop the show. My little brain thought for sure they're gonna have to stop the show because they're gonna destroy their instruments. That's how hard they're playing with so much ferocity and passion. I thought the show would be stopped for sure. There was no doubt in my mind. Of course, it wasn't. Um, so Sabbath was a big influence, you know, and I think that. My vocal delivery and phrasing, I think, is pretty Aussie-ish in a way. You know, I remember Sabbath wasn't my very first concert. My first concert was was James Gang, but um, it, it, Joe Walsh just left. But I just remember that record, Straight Shooter. Um, I really dig the way that that guy s- uh, sings, Ray Kenner. And so, like, you know, my phrasing and my storytelling in in the songwriting, I think, has a you know, has a lot to do with traditional phrasing like Aussie. Traditional American phrasing. I mean, everybody, you know, all over the world tries to emulate or tries to sing in English, you know, whether you're a German band or whether you're Italian band. Everybody tries to sing in English because English is a much more concise language. So anyways, I'm not trying to meander too much, but I'm just saying that that's accurate though, when, when you when you mentioned that earlier. And, um, and as far as my sound goes, I've always been attracted to more uh, visceral sounds, like, you know, something that hits you in the gut, really. So, I mean, it doesn't really have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be low and tuned down to be heavy. Um, that's, that could be part of it. You know, that could be part of it. I mean, the vocals have a lot to do with it too. I'm, I'm really into, into a message, you know, I'm really into a message, conveying messages. I like to tell stories too. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff these days that needs that I comment on. I mean, life and, and adventure, you know, my adventures is where I get my song material from. Well, that's that's good, man. And I want to hear about your your latest uh, storylines on the new album. But before we get there, so hold on a minute. So you saw Black Sabbath when you were like 13, 14 on the either what Paranoid or Master Reality Tour. My, it was my 13th birthday and I'm and I'm and I was born in 60. So that would have to make it 73. So we'd have to look I'd have to look back and see. I think that that was like right around uh the reason I know Master Reality was already out is because we already had those songs in our head. I remember like getting into those songs before I saw that show, uh, and knowing, you know, when, when they played some of those songs, I was like, I knew those songs already. So I want to say, Master Reality, maybe, maybe in between Master Reality and Volume Four is what I'm gonna say. Was that down in uh, in the D.C. area or Baltimore? Oh, Baltimore Civic Center. Wow, man! Uh, do you ever have you ever? I'm sure you have. Have you ever talked to the Sabbath guys? I'm sure you have and said, man, I saw you when you were just starting here and uh, I was a kid. I've never met any of those guys. And even when I played on Bullring Brummies, you know, on the, on the Columbia Tribute, I still didn't had never met those guys. I just played the tapes. So but, that, uh, that's interesting because that was a great track because you played with Bill Ward on that, I believe, right? And Tony or is it Geezer? Yeah, that was a great track. T- Toby Wright was just the producer dude who put that all together. What he did was, uh, you know, Columbia was going to make this tribute record. And so 
It's, wouldn't it be great if we could get Sabbath to do it? You know, but there's all kinds of red company flying around, you know, cheese flying around. Okay, but what they did do is they hired Toby Wright. He's like a really famous uh, producer guy. He worked with Slayer, Alice in Chains guy. And he um, uh, he was tasked by Columbia with, you know, with going over to uh, uh, to England and trying to, like, get these dudes on board, all right? The Sabbath dudes on board. So the first thing he did was he hired uh, the studio harmonic player and the studio guitar player. And those dudes wrote rewrote that version of the wizard which is pretty fucking cool man it's like slower you know to the 12th every time you know every time the reason i know that is because toby right well i'll get to that but um so so right got every got everybody on board he he talked to everybody and geezer would like it so much that geezer wrote that weird little middle riff in there there's a heavier riff to, in there all right so now he had all of sabbath and he had all of sabbath actually Doing their tracks, they recorded that song as Sabbath, and then, um, then Osborne and Iommi's label started fighting. And pretty soon, both of them had dropped off, both Ozzy and Tony. Okay, because there are different record labels at the time. So they called up Henry Rollins and they said, "You know, you feel when you sing on this record, on this take." And Rollins said, uh, "No, I can't do it. Why don't you ask Wino?" By the time they got around to asking me, they already had Halford. So they did. So basically, when they pushed in the shelves, they got me through. They said, "This is what we want you to do. All we want you to do is play over Iommi's tracks." They couldn't use his tracks, so I wiped his tracks. So they wanted me to play it exactly like him, right? Little leads and everything, which is cool because Tony's got this weird little lead style. And so when I was trying to follow that, like note for note in the studio, it's tricky, man. It was tricky. But I mean, I remember like uh, I thought it was kind of cheesy, you know. I thought it was kind of cheesy, that you know. But I mean, this is, they asked me to be on this track and I said that I would and that's what they had me do. That's and awesome, so, man. I love that album. And you know what? Track. You think about it too. That was a long time ago. That had to be 20, 25 years ago. That was way before you could share tracks online and, you know, yeah. Pro Tools and all this other shit, right? You actually, yeah. I don't know how it was done, but it, it was done the old school way. It was done the old school way. And actually the bass player, you know, Guy was in the obsessive time and he was sitting in the control room. I brought this, this Ramjackal cab in in my head, and they said, well, we got a better cab upstairs. I said, so uh, we went up to get the cab, and he's the only one who heard all the tracks with Sabbath. Like, he heard the Sabbath version they recorded that they couldn't use. He's the only one. He said, I was sitting there, they, uh, they brought it up track by track. He was like, it was the original Sabbath doing that version, but things to say, like, I really like that version, man. I thought Toby Wright was really cool to work with, and man, he was standing over me like this, had his hair like in this, like, tight little bun. He's like, had it, I swear to God, it it looked like he's wearing a priest shirt, and like even it wasn't a priest shirt, but I swear to God it was. So he's like the cyber priest standing above me, going to the twelfth every time, like every time, slide every time, every time. He's like, you know, he's telling me every time, every time. You know, that was cool. That was. Well, I think you need. I need think you need to bring the uh, wizard back into your set list, man. Uh, sounds uh, like uh, it sounds like at the end you got to do a special couple special encores on this tour. That'd be cool, man. So I'll tell you what. Okay, listen to that version of that song, Gordon Gurry's Wizard. Okay, listen to the guitar solo. Okay, because uh, I said, "Well, can I try to do a solo?" Toby Wright said, "I've already got a solo I really like from the guy in Fight. That's what I'm going to use. But if you can better it, then okay." So he gave me a, ch a chance. Toby did right. So I botched the lead totally, but it's I knew that I botched the lead, and so I kind of just pulled out of it and was kind of like, "Fuck it, let it hang for a minute." And Toby goes, "Wow." He goes, I really like that noise you just made at the end of that lead. Like, 
and he spliced that weird noise into the middle of the solo. Okay, now that's really that's like secret shit. But if you listen yeah, to that solo, the fight solo, you can hear this, this where it kind of goes to a break, and then you hear it's like, and that's like my feedback. So that's like, oh, I just thought that shit. That that's you. all. I am gonna. I'm gonna when I leave uh, tonight to go take my kid to hockey. I'm gonna make sure that's on the on the phone in the car. Backwards masking, you know. <laughs> Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm Metalhead. Metal Mayhem ROC is the home for metal from the very beginnings. This is James DeVere from Hellstar. You're listening to Burnomatic. Dave Overkill from the Cleveland band Destructor. Hey, Dave, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's a long time headliner. Hey, this is Red Beach from Whitesnake. Hey, this is Vinny Apathy from Dio, Black Sabbath, and Last in Line. To music of today. Hi, this is Olaf Wickstrand from Enforcer. Hi, this is Braun from Mastodon. You're listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. With John the Vernomatic Burner. Plus, we talk with producers and authors to give you behind-the-scenes info. Hi, this is William Merwin, author of The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. Greg Renoff, the author of the book Van Halen Rising, and the uh, Ted Templeman book A Platinum Producer's Life in Music. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Metal Mayhem ROC, a proud member of the Pantheon podcast team, giving you more to listen for. Join our community, and always remember to keep it heavy. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
Hey, Wino, that's some great backstories. Let's get into Gilded Sorrow. But man, so many cool little quotes. And like, it, you know, you're saying it's the heaviest stuff you've ever done. Uh, like in the lyrical sheet, it says no synthesizers were used on this album. And then your slogan. And this might be this might be the title of this episode. when We post this. If it ain't heavy, it ain't shit. <laughs> so talk about your approach going into this album and talk about the, the guys in the band. You have a second guitar player now. Yeah. Give us a little uh, back flavor to the start of the writing on this album. Okay. So um, it's just always been a three, three piece. We've traditionally been a three piece. And, um, you know, I started to feel like after, you know, I started to feel like I was kind of spinning my wheels a little bit. Like, you know, I know that we have power and I know that we have the songwriting depth. But, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe, uh, you know, people have seen this before, seen everything. People have seen this, you know. So right around that time, I got a letter from Jason. Now, Jason, uh, thank you, baby. Jason Taylor, uh, second guitar player in The Obsessed Now. He was in a Canadian band called Sierra, okay? And Sierra uh, did shows supporting The Obsessed. We got to know each other. I thought he's a great guitar player, you know, good songwriters, you know, good singer. He was kind of, he was the front man of that band. He wrote me this letter and said, you know, uh, as far as modern music goes, you know, I see myself, if I could pick the tough style of music that I would want to take my life out with and make it my life's goal, it would be the your music. Because I love the way you write. And I think that I think that we would really be a good team if you ever decided to get a second guitar player. So I thought about it for a while. I said, okay, man, I'm I'm gonna give it a shot, you know. We talked it over, me and Brock talked it over. And so basically we gave it a shot. And, you know, we were, we were delayed from, you know, accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish pretty because of the, you know, the chem flu and all that shit. But eventually we got together and he brought, he brought, uh, man, he, what he brought to the table was amazing. He pretty much knew every single song. Uh, we came into the rehearsal with being able to just start playing right away. He knew every single song. And, um, and he also, he also did those theories. And um, so, you know, he can ch- he'll be like, oh, cool. You're, you can tell me what I'm playing. Cause sometimes I don't know, you know, like he tell me, oh, that's fucking, you know, Hungarian minor, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but he also brought it. He also brought to the table, like, you know, a songwriting capabilities, which is really great. So, I mean, he co-wrote several songs on uh, Gilda Sorrow. It's awesome. So, yeah, it sounds like a good, uh, a good addition to the band. Yep. Um, now, like. I, I'm an old school guy and and I like to put the whole package together in my mind when I'm checking something out. And like the uh, the cover of the album, right? It's like a statue of like a, you know, cement statue or whatever, kind of a woman pointing up, looking up yeah. in smoke. There's fog all around it. So what's what's talk about the album title and the okay. image of the album and how it links to the product? Okay, well, so Gilded Sorrow, I mean, that that is uh, the concept is sort of like, you know, Sort of like life, you know, you've got beauty in life, but it's also kind of, there's also an, an, an element of cheapness to it, too. Like, just with every city, you have, beautiful city, you also have the, the CD underbelly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of like you sort of see the beautiful statue with the killed paint is peeling off, you know what I mean? You know, it's sort of like, you know, de- decay, right? So, but the, the lyrics to Gilded Sorrow are about, uh, is a story about a mortal in love with a, with a fallen angel. Pretty much, it, you know, it's a little bit abstract, but that's sort of where where's that at? And um, you know, we 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 went down this route of like you know, uh, 
an album cover using like a funeral angel. It's trying to get some dark, you know, we found these statues, like, you know, these crying angels, all, you know, that you would use for a funeral grave, crypt. And, you know, I just thought that it, I, it started to become, I thought that the whole graveyard thing was too, um, was too, too cliche and also too dark. And so my, so my wife said, well, there's a sculpture garden up the, up the way. Maybe we should take a look at this guy. And what that is, is a sculpture garden by this guy from the 40s named Brunel, this French guy. He was totally obsessed with Native American mythology or just Native American lore. And so he moved up to the Catskills and uh, and made these sculptures. And so what the sculpture on the cover is, it's a Native American woman, you know, with her up up, you know, holding her breast with her with her head upstretched towards towards the sun, towards God, towards the sky. And um, she's got a papoose on her back, which you can't see. And then we gave that to our guy, uh, our digital collage guy. We wanted to, we definitely wanted like uh, you know, something that would depict either like, you know, both rise either the rising sun or the setting sun, you know. And so basically that's what our guy came up with. So we use Bernoulli's statue. So it's pretty amazing, actually. It we is. love art, man. It's like art, but you know, art is such a big part of everything. It's like, you know, you create or die, you know? And um, and uh so so while we were taking those pictures, Jason says to me, he goes, Let's take a picture of me and you just for the record, all right? So we took two pictures of me and him just sitting there. No big deal. So six months later, he called me and says, you're not going to fucking believe what I found in one of those pictures. And he goes, look at these pictures. They're side by side. He goes, they're seconds apart. And in one of the pictures, you can clearly see a saucer. No doubt. It's definitely not a plane. It's not a fucking bird. It's a fucking saucer. All right? And so here's the picture. Three seconds later, it's not in there, in there either. So that was pretty mind-bending that we saw that. And like, uh, uh, yeah, that was pretty interesting. But, you know, they're, they're, they're watching my boy. He's had some experiences before, so he's, he's from another place for sure. Okay, okay. Good stuff, man. So the, the title track itself, like I describe it, it's slow and trippy. You know, you got a melodic riff very early. Then it quickly heads into this downtuned sound. Love the vocal effects. That mid-song shredding gets a little psychedelic late bit tribal and a bit jammy. That's the kind of song Gilded Sorrow is. But going up to the top of the album, uh, Daughter of an Echo, her mama was real bad, her father was a demon dad. Yeah. Catchy main riff repeated over the song, backs the lyrics and storyline. It's accessible and memorable. A good track to open. Talk about that one, Wino. Uh, okay. Uh, Daughter of an Echo. Daughter of an Echo is like, when King Solomon, it, the myth of King Solomon is like, that he, uh, he bound these demons and forced them to build his palace, right? Okay, so before, while he's interviewing the demons to build his palace, uh, he, he interviews this one, it's a female entity, and it's seven sisters, right? And the, they each have their evil purpose, but the seventh, she, her purpose is just make everything else worse. Like, you know, whatever, what's bad, her purpose is to make everything worse. The seven, seven demons, so that's the daughter of an echo. She's the daughter of an echo, yeah. And then uh, it's partially got uh, inspired, but partially by also by uh, uh, one of my ex girlfriends who uh, uh, figures prominently in there, like you know, it's gonna pluck your cell phone and off the clip you will roll, you know. Um, so it's kind of tongue, it's kind of a tongue in cheek modern take on uh, you know, on on uh, this demon in Solomon's myth, but also like uh, there's some real life shit in there too. 
That's uh, I know I like that. You pluck your iPhone and you spell it out E Y E. Right, right, right. But um, hey, hey, listen, track two, it's not okay. I love the line. Come on, snowflake, time to meet your fate. Like this one, the music is cool because it's kind of like fuzzy and groovy. It almost like, like you say, it's heavy, but not in like a loud heavy. It almost sounds like like vintage ZZ Top or something. But um, oh, that's great, man. I love I love to hear that. Right. Lots of rage expressed. You're pissed off about something and somebody, somebody messing with my songs. Now, I don't know if you're at liberty to talk about what and who this is about, but sounds to me like. I'd love to talk about it. Sure. You know, it's again, it's one of these things where, you know, if you can, if you. And, you you know, in a non aggressive way, I mean, if somebody asks me a question, I'm going to answer it. You know, I'm going to answer it truthfully. How you know how we you would normally go about talking to your friend or talking to somebody? So you know, uh, in nineteen, you know, right around two thousand, two thousand. I mean, two hundred two hundred. I mean, and two hundred two one. You know, we had all this medical value. You know, okay. So basically, I didn't do anything except state my viewpoints on such. You know, like I stated my viewpoints about you know what I thought about you know. I stated my viewpoint on, you know, what people were being forced to do and stuff like this. And what that turned out to be is that I got blamed for like three deaths. And, you know, that's just not okay. It's just not okay. I mean, to insinuate because of my belief that, you know, that, that that's how somebody else was caused their death, you know, I think that's beyond the pale, man. And so, all right, so one dude in particular, this this mag, one, one magazine in particular, I guess it's an online magazine. Uh, 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 this magazine, Metal Sucks, right? So there's this dude. Uh, he call it, He's called himself uh, Vince Nielstein 666. <laughs> Vince Nielstein. <laughs> okay. All right. Get that right. So he's the main dude. So, you know, he comes out with a big article, you know, saying how it's directly because of my views and whatever the two people are got, have died. Okay. Now, one of those people is somebody who was very, very close to me, right? So I was pretty pissed off. So I responded to him, you know, you know, listen, you know, uh, you're full of shit. You know, I don't wake up in the morning thinking who I'm going to fucking hurt, rob, or anything like that. You know, the only reason I even state my viewpoints at all is because of my love for humanity. You know what I mean? And so, okay. So this dude, you know, so he comes out again with this second fucking article, like basically... Uh, I don't know, man. Basically, double down. Okay, so one day, so I was pretty pissed off. I didn't know what I can do. You know, I don't, didn't have enough money to sue him, or I definitely would have sued him because I don't believe it was like frivolous suit lawsuit, but that would be a clear case of fucking what this motherfucker needs to get sued. But anyway, so um, so we're driving down the road, and, I, and I'm pissed off, and I tell my my wife, I said, pull over for a second, and uh, I want to I want to look something up. I want to see where his office is. You know what I mean? Because I wonder how he'd feel if I came walking into his fucking office. You know. And just said, hey, well, here I am. You want to talk to me? What do you want to want to do? You know? And uh, so so we stopped. And we stopped We stopped in Woodstock, New York. Okay? That's where we stopped because we live close to Woodstock. So we're in Woodstock. And I'm looking around. I'm fucking pretty good at this kind of research, man. I'm like, their office is in fucking Woodstock. Okay? So instead of just going over there, instead I called my buddy because cooler heads prevail, you know? I called my buddy and I got a little more intel. So, so I know where I stand with all that. Okay. Okay. 
Story right? to be continued, I suppose, right? It's anybody. It's not okay, man. It's not okay. It's not okay to like, you know, hide behind your keyboard and then <laughs> do that kind of thing, you know? I hear you, man. I hear you. But that's oh. that, that's all. <laughs> all right. That's good, man. Love the color behind that one. So now over to Realize a Dream. Life's Many Faces amazes. Heavy yeah. with a great variety of your signature guitar work and sound. Love the big chords and the quick solo. I think it's your new single. Talk about that one. All right. Um, so that's an old song. That's a really, really old song. And that has a, a really nice piece of uh, serendipitous shit that goes with that too. But I just want to say like, Jason was really instrumental. When, when I brought this song up from up from the depths and said, here's the skeleton of this tune, you know, what do you think? And he said, right away, he he heard something at the beginning. So he, he arranged the intro. He arranged the intro. And, um, uh, in a real, he had a really nice vision for that. And, it, and you know, we used those synthesizers. We wanted to say that because on that song in particular, you can hear how the intro, it has this kind of like cool, uh, well, we used the same effect, like to kind of blend all the songs together. You know, like if you, if you listen to the record all, you know, all through, you'll hear like the intro of every song kind of like, um, there's like, a, there's like a, there's like an intro part between almost every, every song that kind of bleeds together except for, Jaylene and where you know where it was where we felt it was good to stop, and we use it, uh, an effect that Jason has where he it's a guitar effect where he takes the you know the sound and he can slow it down, and adds some really nice chiming choruses reverb and so it sounds a little synthia times and that's why we wanted to say no since you used you know yeah but ah. so we use that we use that effect you know on this intro and uh, man I think it just came out so beautiful and then, you know then after I was done singing I was like. Uh, I wanted to put to go back and just put the you know the opening line into that intro. So you know Jason Jason and the band the rest of the band were, real, were instrumental in pulling it together. Now that's an old fucking song. I wrote that song when my buddy before I was even in the band. My buddy had bought a Farfisa uh, electric piano. Farfisa. It just came out, and with it comes a Leslie, which is a rotating speaker, right? And so the rotating speaker is like this old thing, like you've seen churches. When they're playing all the big pipe orders, and all of a sudden you hear this like, woo, woo, woo. Mm -hmm. that's like it's rotating speakers as they get going. They got two speeds, right? So my thing over the years is, I love singing into those things. I love fucking singing into those things. And so uh, we use that for the intro, you know, the very intro vocals, and uh, and I use that also for Gilded Star. That's what I sang through on Gilded Star. So these rotating speakers. So you know, we're we're just some old some old stuff, uh, you know. And that song was recorded by. Before I got a chance to record it, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, can I record that song? That's like 20, 25 years ago, this band Unorthodox, who was also recorded by Frank Marchand. All right, so we get in to record Gil of Sorrow, right? We get into, and we already know we're going to realize the dream. But Frank doesn't know that, and we haven't said anything about it yet. Frank says, out of the blue, he goes, man, you guys should cover that Unorthodox song, uh, Realize the Dream. And we were just like, we have a fucking head snap. I was like, I said that's my song. I wrote that song. We recorded, it, so it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, just an amazing little bit of uh, you know synchronicity. And, yeah. and, you, and you could have said to your friend there, "It's not okay." It's not okay. But in that case, it was. Okay. It was. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Why no? Yeah, man, crazy, crazy shit. It's like there's a, there's a story like that behind every song, really, which is kind of weird, man. You know. Well, let's talk about the next one. Stone back to the bomb age. I mean, 
It's heavy. Yeah. It's sludgy. It's dark story storyline. And man, you're passionate in that yeah. one. You're like, you could tell like you're all fired up and you want to get that message out. What's this one about? What's going on here? This one about is when, uh, uh, when I, when I was, you know, younger and I was just pretty much a stay at home dad. I had a lot of downtime. And so I catch myself listening to, you know, PR, PRS, public radio, shit like that. And, uh, I used to listen to like, when we got into the Afghanistan war, I used to listen to Rumsfeld give the war briefings, right? This is when, you know, the Secretary of Defense gets out in front of the press and talks about, yeah, we did, you know, seven bombing shortage today, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So one day I was listening to those, and it was the Deputy, Deputy Secretary of Defense, Richard Armitage. This is when Bush is in power. And Armitage says, Pakistan gets involved in this war. We're going to bomb them back to the Stone Age. And I was like, wow, bomb <laughs> back to the Stone Age. I said, that's pretty extreme, right? You know? And so, like, years later, it just stuck with me, man. So years later, you know, I'm playing guitar by myself, and I'm just really stoned. And I said, oh, wouldn't that be funny? Well, I could take that concept and make it stoned back to the bottom age, you know? Okay, so it, it, ended, it ended up being, you know, it ended up being like a comment, you know, a comment on, um, you know, on just ugliness, you know, these fucking war pigs and their trip, you know? And so we decided, in the studio, we decided, let's see if we can find it. The actual footage of Arbiter saying this, and let's add it into our, let's add it in somehow. Let's grab it, let's add it in. So we said, okay, cool. So we're looking for it, looking for it. We don't find it. But what we did find, we found another Secretary of Defense from like 50 years before saying that. So Arbitrage ripped him off. <laughs> wow. Wow. So there you good, go. Good stuff, so, Wino. We're also, we're also like getting ready to make a video uh, on that. Uh, let the cat out of the bag. But I can't say too much except it's going to be pretty twisted. And, yeah. um, you know... With any luck, we've got ourselves a pretty cool personality to be to be the, the sole actor. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that. All right. Yeah. Well, on to Wellspring Dark Sunshine. Big riff. Touch. It's a touch bluesy. Um, great use of the snare and cymbals. And it, it's just a very traditional doom wino track. Um, love that one, too. And then that one goes into Jaylene. So Jaylene, to me, is like, it, it's almost like, Wino's doing Thin Lizzy or something, right? It's like, uh, I don't know, man. It's just a cool rock and roll track. And it feels like the way you wrote the story is the way Phil Lynette would have delivered the story. And it's like, boy meets girl, girl screws over the boy. I don't know what they're cooking in the back of their yard there. Is it meth? Is it weed? Is it whatever? And then she flees and takes his money. And then the law steps in. So talk about that one. That one you need a video for, Wino. Yeah, I know. I know. You're, you're right. Man, I'm glad you like that. Uh Jaylene, Jaylene, the concept of Jaylene came from uh, when I had some difficulties some years ago and, and I was incarcerated in another country for a little while. So oh. when I got out, when I got out and I was, I finally am on the streets of Brooklyn, okay? And uh, I was talking to all the, on myself when I was talking to my ex wife for the first time I talked to her since I've been out of jail. And uh, I was walking in the corner talking to her and I see all this brownstone on the side of the building. It's just, just somebody spray painted a black heart, and instead of an arrow going through the heart, it was just a stick, no point, no feathers, just a stick, and it said Jaylene. Okay, all right. So again, <laughs> so I stored that up because it was so fucking crazy. So I stored that up, right? So then the song is about uh, the song is about you know yeah, you stayed 
you know, he has, he's making his living in an alternative fashion. You know, he's making some drugs. And uh, so he's at a bar and he sees this chick and he, you know, she's so fine. He can't help but tell her, man, he looks so fine. You know? So the next day, next night, she's over at his house, right? Well, it turns out she's of like mind. And pretty soon she's dealing for him. He's fronting her shit and she's selling it for him, right? She rolls over on him. When he's out there, when they use the master key, so he's out on the run now. So then he sees it. Then he sees it broke down on the side of the road, and uh, asks her to get in his car. You know, at you know, boss, he's looking at his gun, and uh, you don't really know what happens. Like that's the whole thing. You don't really know what happens. You don't really know if he kills her. But basically, the way this Jason again came told me for the ending, he goes, "Man, I think you better temper the ending a little bit. I think it would be better." If it was more ambiguous than like, you know, gloves, rope, and shovel, you know, I think it'd be more. <laughs> so, so basically, you know, yeah. So right when he's asking her, you know, why didn't roll over me? The cops pull behind the van. So you don't really know what happens after that. And I think that was, I think that was good, uh, wise on his part. Well, I'll tell you what I thought when I just read the title. It spelled out J A I L I N E. So I'm like. Was it Jaylene? And now it's Jaylene. Uh, I think you exactly. I think you snuck one in there, Wino. I think we exactly. know how this ends. You know, it all goes back to where uh, you know I got the concept Jaylene from. You know that really crazy drawing. But you know, since then I've seen a country song. There's a country song called Jaylene. I saw it this the other day. I didn't. That's not to, to be confused with Jolene from Dolly Parton, in which right. Rob Halford now duets on, or somebody Hailstorm, or somebody. But yeah, are you serious? Wow, that's well. I know, I know, well, I know Rob Halford did a, a track with her on her rock album, but there's somebody else. I think it might have been Hailstorm does a Jaylene cover. So wow. Jolene cover, not Jaylene. We were confusing well, them all. You know what? It doesn't matter because this is the one, Jaylene. That's it, man. So the last couple of tracks, uh, Yen Sleep, and then a beautiful little short instrumental. Seems like it's uh, written for your wife, Charlie. Yeah. Lucky free, nice machine. So Yen Sleep atmospheric with that soft yet fuzzy guitar tone, very mid-paced, lots of killer signature riffs and shredding, heavy overall. So talk about the last couple of tracks to close. Okay. Um, yeah, Sleep, you know, that was that was something that was released on um, on Incarnate, you know, but uh, on on Blue Zero. But, you know, when we get ready, ready to record this record, I knew I was going to re-record that song because that's one of my favorite songs I've ever written, and I never thought it was really done justice. So I wanted to re-record it right. So I told Jad, I said, you got to put something in your contract, giving me permission to record this, this song right over again. So he did. So I wanted to record that song right. I think we did. I think it, we got pretty accurate. And what that song is about is that song is about, uh, uh, you know, why the reality isn't dreaming as opposed to reality being waking, you know? Like the dream world uh, becomes reality. Yeah, so that's that's that concept, and then Lucky Free Nice Machine. Yeah, when Shirley, when I met Shirley, she came down to this gig, and she was pretty fucking loaded, <laughs> and uh, and she was definitely attacking me, you know, right? So, well, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Why well, Let's be honest, right? <laughs> so, so I I didn't get a phone number, you know. So uh, I tried really hard, and I finally tracked her down. So when I finally got her on the phone, I had my guitar. And I was nervous, you know. So I'm talking to her on the phone, and, and I, have, I think I have my phone cradled because I was playing. I was playing just playing my guitar kind of nervously while I was talking to her. And I wrote that riff. I came up with that riff, and uh, I thought that that was like 
But like your favorite knife machine is like, it's sort of like how I see her, you know? It's cool, man. It's like your own version of a love story. And I see that you guys talking about your wife, like you guys got a lot going on. I mean, great stuff on your website, jewelry and posters and art and t-shirts and all kinds of good stuff. So like what's going on there? It's like, uh, you kind of do a lot of inspirational work around uh, what comes into your mind, complement your music with art, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and like, you know, during the lockdown and all, you know, we had everybody's at home, but we had a good opportunity to sit down and, uh, you know, create some stuff. And I started to focus a little bit more on, uh, you know, on, on uh, you know, the drugs and stuff. And so we put our little business together. And I, I feel I feel fortunate. I'm really fortunate. You know, we have from the, we have the musical... I have my musical background, you know, and, and our following there to draw from. So that's really cool. And um, yeah, create or die, man. That's like our, that's our thing. Now, do you do the drawing or does she do them both? Or do you guys do them both? Or she do the jewelry? Like who you guys doing, doing all we that do, stuff together? We do some stuff together. We do some from apart. She's got some art stuff, drawings, and, and she paints and so do I. And then we also make stuff together. And then lately we've been, uh, uh, we've been taking a silversmithing course. So we're gonna start making our own jewelry and stuff, making our own pendants and stuff like that. Well, what, what I usually do is like you know I travel around and source out you know some cool shit. Like I'll find like a really cool like antique pendant or something, and then I'll you know I'll source out some beads or just try to make you know make cool you know one of a kind uh, pieces. You know, do that. And we did we've been getting some silk screening. Yeah, you know I mean basically all, all we want to do is really is really create art. I mean that's what life's about for us. You know. Absolutely. So now talk about this bad boy. Yeah. I just uh, I just got this in the mail. I have to say it took me a while to order it, but I finally got to it. And I said, if I'm going to be speaking on wine, I got to have this in my possession. And it cool. was perfect because it showed up in the mail today. So how's yeah, that been going for you? Yeah, yeah it's going really good. I mean, I think that it's a pretty accurate snapshot of my career. You know, uh, he was fortunate. We got a chance to, to uh, combine like a road trip or two that I was taking. And uh, interview people along the way, so we've got a lot of cool personalities in there. All my friends, man, and really, I think it's really cool. I think Shirley did a really good job on it, and uh, it's been getting a lot of uh, European attention. Like we just we just got back from Italy, me and her, because the Italians wanted to run nine shows where we did screen the dock, and then uh, I played acoustic. So we did that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we, you know, it's already screened in France and in Greece. So yeah, man. All right. All right. Well, yeah, I can't wait to well, sink yeah, my teeth right. into that, that DVD. So, um, why no talk about the tour. You got a tour kicking off, uh, mid-March. Uh, I know it's going to come my way and I think Brooklyn's the last stop, but what are you doing on the road and who are you taking out with you? Uh, we're going out, we're going out for a month. Uh, we're taking out with this Howling Giant from North Carolina and a band called Gozu. And, um, Basically, we're just basically we're just trying to like create, you know, you know, do do a nice little tour of the East Coast. I mean, uh, yeah, it starts the thirteenth. It starts in Philly, March thirteenth in Philadelphia, and then our last show is Brooklyn. Yep. All right. Well, I'll make sure I come down here and uh, shake your hand, and and we'll have a good uh, a good chat. Fantastic, but, uh, man. Yeah. But um, so uh, I, I gotta say, like, I've been to a good sampling of seeing you through the live uh, through the years in the New York area. You know, Spear Caravan at Hard Rock Cafe, Shrine yeah. Builder at NYU. Um, yeah, 
a couple shows Wolves at the uh, Turner, with Wolves in the Turner, but that was a great show. Yes, that was a weird place. I don't. It was a strange being play. in this college to see a show, right? This yeah, big old yeah. room. Yeah. But a, a couple of the St. Vitus uh, bar gigs, which is the best place there. Cool. But yeah. my biggest experience seeing you is I did a, uh, a a road trip. Well, I wouldn't say a road trip, a plane and boat trip. I flew over by myself to Sweden Rock in 2012, and there was a great lineup. But you guys, uh, St. Vitus was on the bill, and I think on the same day, Pentagram played and Motorhead played. And I just remember seeing you guys on this beautiful, whatever it was, Thursday or Friday afternoon, sunny out, four o'clock, and just, I I just was pulling pictures out recently, and just so fucking awesome, such a gig. I don't know if you remember those gigs, but- I don't, did we meet that day? No, we we did not. I, yeah, I, I hung I, out I, with Bobby Liebling in the airport. He's a character in himself, but no, you airport. and I hadn't met. Yeah, running into Bobby in the airport. Man, I run into Bobby in the airport sometimes, too. That's always weird. Um, yeah, I remember that show. I do remember that show. Yeah, very cool. Well, I remember Dave Chandler was, well, maybe I shouldn't say it, but he was whacked out of his mind roaming that, those grounds afterwards. I was like, whoa, is this guy on this planet? <laughs> but... <laughs> I remember him sitting on the side during Motorhead, and I was like, I was like, maybe I should get the EMTs. I don't know why he's like staring at the sky. I don't know what he was tripping on, but he got yeah. through his gig. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, it's David. <laughs> <laughs> so, why not talk about, I mean, so many bands, so many decades of music, but, you know, before we wrap this up, is there any like one like fuck yeah moment where you look back and you say, this is going on my tombstone? Like, Album, tour, band, period, just there's got to be something out there that you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. Well, you know, when we, when I played Dynamo in 93, that's probably the biggest show of my career, probably to this day. It was like 90,000. And on that same day was uh, on our stage with Zach Wild, uh, Project Formity, Caius, original Caius. And uh, so I think, that, you know, that show, uh, playing in front of that many people, and I remember, like, I was having this magical feeling where I could, I could sort of see. It seemed to me that, like, I could see certain people or pockets of people were kind of glowing, in a way, because uh, just of the energy, uh, you know, being of the of my music, you know. And so that was that was that was one really memorable moment right there, '93 at Dynamo. Uh, and the other one would have to be very recently when we played Hellfest. I mean. The last time that you just played Help Us, you know, last summer, uh, man, that was like, that was unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, it was really hot. I mean, it's probably like 40,000 people in our little segment there. But I mean, you know, the drones were coming, the chemtrails, everything I hate, you know, like, you know, everything I love and everything I hate. You know what I mean? That's like fucking, it was crazy. It was crazy. But me, when we were playing, uh, there's a couple of festivals this summer where we were playing, they were magical as fuck. One of them, I think when we were playing uh, uh, Freak Valley, me and Jason, I looked up, as we're playing, we're, you know, playing some duelies, and I looked up the sky and I saw these two fucking birds. Like two birds. First I saw the one, then I saw the other one. It was like a dark bird and kind of a lighter colored bird. And like nobody saw it except me and Jason. That was really magical. Like we're doing our doing guitar thing. We both see these birds. Like, like you know, one is like kind of like you know gray head. You know, the other one's kind of dark. It's kind of freaked out, man. So you know that kind of thing, man. Those kind of feelings, yeah. I mean, there's been I've had a lot of successes over the years, you know, and I'm I'm really grateful for that. I mean, there's been disappointments, but you don't really focus on disappointments, man. You know, 
because the good jobs are so important, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, man. I can see that, man. I think you probably didn't like drones watching you, but I bet if you had your brothers and you could get a drone to watch somebody else. Sorry, my dogs are going crazy in the background. You would love to get that drone up there and well, watch somebody else, but not on you, man. Oh, baby. I remember, yeah, yeah, baby. <laughs> so I know the new album comes out on February 16th on Ripple Music. Uh, tell us uh, your socials and where we can find all the information about uh, yourself and the Obsessed. Okay, well, you can go. You can go to the fa- the Facebook our Facebook page, which is the Obsessed Official. Um, my Instagram page, which is Scott Winer Weinrich uh, Instagram. Uh, you can you can see some of our dates, and you can also see. Uh, our art is at wino-art.com. And, uh, yeah, about it. Okay. All well, those links have links, and they're all linked together. So if you go to my Instagram site, you can go to my, my link tree, and it'll take you to every place. Great. Well, listen, Gilded Sorrow, killer album, um, best of luck, amazing stories about your back history, you, the past and the present, and the current product. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, Wino, and I wish you best of luck. And I will see you in Brooklyn uh, in April, okay? Come up, come up, say hey for sure. Say hey to Shirley. Welcome. We'll talk. Absolutely. Wino, thanks, man. Thank you, brother. Keep it heavy, brother. Bye. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.